You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to have another person that I've known for quite some time, and then we've passed each other at different companies. I'm just blessed to have her on the podcast. Carolee Gerhard from Google is here on the show with us, and we're going to talk about lifelong learning. So, Carolee, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Asher. It is great to be here and super fun to get to chat with you again. And yes, it's funny how... Things will circle around one way or the other. You'll see people again. 100%. I, I always say this, like if you're in tech, just make friends and make more friends and just make more friends because you're going to run into them and because it's such a small community and, and you don't realize it because, again, this is one of those things that's not taught in school, that those relationships need nurturing through the years. And even though you pass each other by at different companies, at some point in time, you will work together because that's just how technology works. Yeah, so true. And you know, and hopefully then you're, you're not turning up because all of a sudden you realize, I really need something from Asher. <laughs> but it's actually, right. we chatted, I know where he's at, I know what's going on, and let's catch up. And actually, I think you could really add value or I could help you. Yes, yeah, no, totally. All right, before we dive in, let us, our audience know who you are and how you got to where you are, please. Sure. Big question. Yes. Anyway, so Carol, your heart. I have a great gig today. So I am the global channel chief for Google Cloud, which is an awesome job. And I actually have a great other job, which is I also am responsible for Google Cloud's SMB business on a global basis. So we've got a team around the world and a centralized organization that do that. And wow, how did I get here? Like, like that's a great question. Yes. And I know, like, sort of who this, like, this is the audience. But I literally, I started my gig smiling and dialing. So I have literally from the ground up. And when I think about sort of my role now, I've actually, as I think about the various communities, and maybe later when we talk about, I think what our topic is going to be around learning. One of the pieces that probably really sets up is just my journey has been sitting in a lot of different roles and really has been a lot about breath. So from starting again, and I think there, there is a lot to be said about the value of smiling and dialing and just the discipline that it takes of really understanding that some of sales and frankly, some of success is that willingness to just turn up every day and do what you think is the right thing, even when it can be discouraging, but it's really that discipline that is a ton of what we'll see you through. But Went from that at a at a reseller actually, and you know, in terms of where I started, and I went from there into consulting, and so worked for Deloitte doing actually SAP implementations. I'm not that technical anymore, so don't, don't ask me too many details about that. But once upon a time, that was the case. I would move over to you know, as I as I was working in consulting, it was like at the time that was like early days of what was going on in ERP. But it was like I really wanted to get into the vendor side, so I went over to PeopleSoft, and that was. So I guess at this point, more than 20 years ago was sort of my first VP gig, but that, so it did a variety of roles there. And actually I, I did take five years off right in the middle of my career, I did some things in terms of travel, in terms of taking care of my grandparents, and then would return to SAP. So another sort of big company, but I'd also go like where you and I had met, which was yeah. Adaptive Insights, which at the time when I, when I joined was doing 15 million in revenue. So if you can imagine sort of SAP, global gig, responsible for business doing, you know, 
billions of dollars and sort of over to we're doing like the whole company is doing $15 million. And uh, that was a tremendous, tremendous experience too. So have been sort of big and small, been in sales, been in, again, starting at a reseller, been in consulting. Then I would go on to from adoptive over to GE Digital, which is a really interesting experience in this case of just learning around industry, which is a, a company that has incredible depth around industry. And then, of course, over to Google Now. Well, that's quite the journey, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, it's great to see another women in technology leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that the, the women in technology leadership stuff comes up quite a bit. I actually started a community for, by the way, channel leaders and alliances leaders and biz dev leaders. And the community is actually 50% women. And that's actually, it's actually doing much better than the industry average, but they're all looked up to people like yourself so that they can see how do you navigate your path. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. Oh, no, I like, frankly, I've been helped a ton along the way by, you know, folks along the path. I think that's what we're all hopefully, and hopefully this will be a chance to like give, give a little bit back. And what I didn't mention too, by the way, is I had a son and I've done a lot of other yep. things too outside of work as well, which I know is one of the other dynamics that folks sort of grapple with of how do you yes. manage it all, you, yes. how do you yeah. do it all, yeah, so to speak. It's interesting you took some time off because uh, I think a year or so ago, I actually took some time off for three months. And at that point in time, I thought, wow, like, you know, you're going to take some time off. Like, this is unheard of, right? And and I'd been going through this journey myself around like helping build companies and 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 it, it you need some time off. You know, you don't realize it. And then after I took the three months off, I got back into it. And now I'm thinking, man, you took five years off. Like that, I guess that's what I got to do next. Yeah, no, and actually, I think, you know, I think that is one of the things that would just be everyone, you know, I think folks like, you know, looking for like the right answer. And I think everybody, you know, it's different for everyone. But I would, I, when we, you know, maybe like get into it, I think some of the, the pieces is that that really was a take. And I think, you know, there was a sense that, one, folks couldn't believe it when I said that I was, and by the way, I didn't initially think I would take that long off and it was exactly the right time and place for a whole variety of reasons for me yep. personally. It was like a fantastic experience, but it was not like the end of the road to do that. I would just think they're, you know, doing the right thing yes. for you trumps everything. And I think that really wins out ultimately in terms of, you know, how things will go for you. But it, that is probably one of the other hallmarks of Carolee. I am certainly willing to take risks. So I was <laughs> just being... <laughs> Yes, that's great. All right, let's dive in then. So why pick this theme, right? Why is being a lifelong learner important? And why did you pick this theme? Mm, Because I think probably it relates to that. I think in the end, some of what we all people show up best who are vibrant folks who are interested in what they're doing. And, you know, I think the fastest way to really get stale is to not sort of constantly be chasing sort of like new information. And when I think back to sort of what I think is some of, you know, the, what are the similar, what are some of the things that really make you who you are? So when I was in elementary school, so I read every book in the elementary school library. So I have always loved libraries. And as it would go on, I think when I discovered tech and I, and I do remember that first smiling and dialing job. So this is like back in the, just to give everyone a sense of how old I really am. <laughs> it was like, I got printed materials, right? Where you looked up and it was, there was a bunch of printed collateral that was, you know, on hubs and routers. I had no idea what any of it was, right? It was like going into like interview for this job. But what immediately became clear and that has been such, you know, so great for me has been technology is like this library that's always got new books. 
So there is always something new and creative to learn. And I think that has been something that has always, that has like kept me motivated. And as I go through like different gigs, there's always been an opportunity to learn more. And I think also implicit in that of sort of saying beyond just being a lifelong learner, but I think it also is indicative back over where I, you know, indicate, so, you know, I'm a risk mm-hmm. taker. And I think part of learning means, you know, like a willingness to feel foolish, being open to doing something. And I, I have seen again and again, you know, as you grow in a leadership position, one of the things that's so impactful is just saying, are you able to, people choose to give their best. And so as a leader, what you really want to do is create an environment in which people want to opt in to do their best. And like people who are good will always do good work, but it's like people really choose when they're going to go and above and beyond, when they're giving their, their best. And, you know, I have found an important part in that is really showing that I'm willing to learn along the way that, you know, it's really, it's built on this, like, what are the elements of psychological safety that you you take with folks so that they feel comfortable to take a risk as well? Because a lot of times those are like the best and be like, you know, one, one mistake is not going to ruin your career with me. Right. And particularly, Hey, we should try things and we should fail fast and fail quickly and move forward. But as soon as you sort of start creating an environment, which people are afraid to take risks, you're really, really like clipping the wings of that sort of people doing their best. And I find the best way often to do things is to show that in yourself, right? And so when, when my team hears about me, you know, not doing well, you know, trying new things, feeling like, you know, and even literally things like, you know, they'll have a laugh, but so I, I do the flying trapeze. That's like one of my hobbies, which is a great sort of adrenaline junkie hobby to have. But it's also a great example of I spend, you know, like once a week, I turn up and look like an idiot sometimes. You have to sort of be willing. And I think it does get harder sometimes for folks feeling like when they're in a leadership position or when they get like older to feel like it's still okay to look like you don't know stuff. And I I really, I see that as just, it's like, for me, this it's the yin and yang of sort of learning is like, you've got to be willing to still take risks. You got to be willing to still be a beginner. And it gives you such empathy for folks on your team. It's so true. And the people that have been lifelong learners almost always seem to have the most fun at it. Oh, you know? yes. It's like, it's like, because there's always something new that's taking place. It, there's always something more interesting that's happening. And, and life's just never boring, right? And uh, and there's so much to do. Like, it's it's even in just, like, it's even tech as we think it, right? Like, like there's yeah. so many things, like, like, that are happening and so many people with amazing stories. And you're right, like, nobody wakes up in the morning. I mean, maybe there's some people, right? Like, there's always some people, right? But, like, <laughs> but nobody wakes up in the morning saying, you know what? I'm just going to suck up a job. Great. You know, nobody does that, right? Like people always want to like try to, now some folks are, I would say a little bit earlier in their journeys and some folks are a little bit later in their journeys and their life journeys are also intertwined, right? So there's like a lot of things that are happening, but being a leader in this world now and understanding like how to open opportunities for other people, I feel like it's like, you have to be centered in it, right? Like, like you have to, yeah. Have to work on yourself first before you can do this because it's it's just a way of life then. After that, there's no going back. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, that part of like you're trying to bring out the best in the folks who work for I think bringing out the best in you. And I like a common element of one of the things that I often I'll get asked by folks when they're, you know, looking for advice too is just going to be, you know, like, hey, should I take this job or not? And I think it really relates to the comedy rate of sort of, yes, how do you become someone who's excited to turn up for your job every day? I mean, like, it, it's really around to don't take 
a job that you're not excited about. You know, I think there there is sometimes this idea that folks will be like, this job like looks good. And I've got my air quotes going. I know folks can't see it, but it'll be like, this one, this one looks good. Like, you know, on paper, this one is going to look like, and I would just be something that you think looks good, but that you don't feel excited about. You're going to really struggle to show up as your best. Yes. And frankly, if I'll be like, what is the thing that has been, you know, most impactful in my career and that, and in the folks that I, you know, have been around me, it's like the folks you want to be around when they, when they turn up every day and you're always going to do better, right? If you're excited about, and then when you're like, you're gutting, you're having to gut it out and it's going to be, it may look good, but the path forward may become more and more (laughs) obscured when you're really having to like gut it out. Right. Yes. Yeah, and it's because things almost always get complicated. Nothing gets simpler, you know. So, 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 be very picky about about where you go. All right, let's talk about a few things that you've learned along the way. This is this really will show us like all the experience that you've gathered, which is be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I can do all all the experience I've gathered in a pithy way. But I think, look, I think there's one. So one of the things that I would say is bet on yourself. So it's related to that. Is like you know bet on you take a risk on you. And then I'd be like, I really, I really, really remember those who went all in on you. I think the aspect of, you know, in the end, it's like being appreciative and sort of calling out. And there was as funny, actually, in this last year, just a couple months ago, I got a letter, real old school letter in the mail that really moved me. It was from someone who was one of my former bosses who had a huge impact on my career and is, is one of the folks who bet on, gave me a major promotion, who continued back to your comment, always we stayed in touch through many years and was someone who I'd like both ask for advice. And as things grow on, like he would also call and ask. And it was a letter actually about how great it had been to work with me. And I was, I was so moved. And I think all of us have the opportunity to pass that on to other folks that we're working with. And I think that's like, I can, I will not ever forget the folks who took a bet on me. And I would encourage also take a bet on a few people too. So you will know when you're running in, you will know when someone is the got to be the person that says, I believe in this person and I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to promote them. And I think you need to both remember those who did that to you. And I think you need to pick some folks and really take a bet on them. And those are the ones in the end, it's not just what we're all doing to be like in our particular job, but hopefully it's like, what's the purpose of all this? Like, why are we all showing up every day? It'd be like, you know, to really have an impact on other people, both to appreciate those who've helped us and to make sure you're doing the same going forward. Well said, because it's like, as a first time VP or a second time VP, or maybe a third time, even maybe third time VP, right? These are like difficult choices to make. And especially when you have to take a stretch candidate and then take a bet on them, you're kind of like, betting on yourself because yeah. you're not a proven commodity either, right? And so, but at the end of the day, it's going to be okay if everybody just is philosophically aligned. Yeah, no, and I think like, you know, reflective of that is the level of commitment that you get from someone. So when I think about, you know, again, I just encourage probably everyone who's listening, if you think about the person who took a bet on you, you were like, come hell or high water, right? I want to make that person successful. because you know what they did for you. And so I think that like value, and it's the reason, you know, I look back now and I've got, I have folks who've worked for me at like three, four different companies, right? You have that because you know each other, you trust each other, like the, you know, their capabilities, 
and it can be so impactful. And I think the other part, second one that I'd just be is I think when I think about this particular audience and where folks may be early on in their leadership career, I would just be, you can make up for a lot of gaps if you're willing to work, put in more work than other people will. And so I think like that's, Right. Another sort of key takeaway is, you know, if you are really willing to put in the work, all of us are going to get exposed to new things. And I talked again about sort of learning. And one of the pieces in that learning thing is like, you know, you get better by practicing. And it's the same thing here. You may be less exposed in a particular area. It just means you're going to need to go longer in terms of outside reading, talking to your network, asking questions too, right? Not being afraid to ask questions of folks to make sure you get it. But if you put in that work, you can make up for a ton of experience gaps. And frankly, there are advantages to that too, because you will be coming fresh to a topic. And so always, and this is one of the reasons why I'm like back over to why does being a lifelong learner matter is because it gets really hard to kind of see your own blind spots. And the more you're doing the same thing, you always have it, by the way, whether it's in life or on the job, kind of the broader and the more like callous those blind spots become. And so someone new coming in can ask questions that prompt folks who've been, you know, thinking about something for a really long time to think about it in a different, in a different way as well. But that's going to come because there, you can see that they're putting in the work, like their questions are, you know, like are reasonable questions to be asking. And I think that's another just really, really important part of sort of, of what folks could take away. Yeah, valid point. Listening, and uh, I would also say it becomes harder to listen because there's so much noise. And even though you're intently listening, it can be pretty exhaustive and it's okay. You know, like it's okay to be like, hey, time out. We have to like come back to this topic a little bit later. We don't have enough data points. You know, like those are the types of things that you need to be careful Mm -hmm. of. And on top of that, the younger folks or the earlier career folks are all looking up to you, right? So, like, literally every single action that you're going to take or word that you're going to speak is going to have some sort of an impact throughout the organization. And so it's that. And I think people struggle with like, well, how do I balance that with being myself? Yeah. I think one of the things that I would reflect on in, you know, back over to like also early stage leaders, et cetera. And like, I think folks can feel like this. You can feel like the struggle between, you know, how am I landing as a leader and like taking a point of view? And sometimes folks can get a little defensive then in that context of sort of criticism or even like, you know, constructive or sort of folks disagreeing or sort of having a real perspective on that. And I think that piece and sort of like being authentically who you are, what you really want too, is you want other folks being authentically who they are. Because again, back over to like, this is about getting your best and to just bring that fully back around to learning again, I just be, I just make a completely direct statement, which is I've learned more from people who disagreed with me than I ever did from those who agreed with me. And I think that is a huge challenge for folks who are early stage in their career to listen to someone disagreeing with you without sort of feeling like it doesn't, doesn't undermine my authority. It doesn't change my lady. And in fact, you know, the people who disagree with you will say things to you that the people who agree with you won't. And, and frankly, the people who have more difficulty working with you will say directly to you things about yourself that the people who like you, they're like, Oh, I overlooked that girly, right? Because I like her. She does these other things. And you will be able to hone yourself so much more effectively if you are willing to 
listen to folks who would do with you and listen to folks who have like challenges in terms of working with you. So rather than dismissing that, I'd be like, that you should, that really is your gold and sort of how do you fine tune your thinking? How do you figure out where there's gaps in terms of how you're articulating? And it really can help show you, you know, in the end as a leader, you've got you've to gotta influence a lot of folks and you've got to like land your point of view. You're going to do a lot better job if you can really hear and understand what the points are. And by the way, you'll get a bunch more folks in your boat too when they realize, oh, actually you are willing to listen. And in fact, you are willing to even make adjustments, realize like, actually, that was a really good point, Asher. In fact, you might be right on that. Like, let's shift course. Yeah, yes. And one of the things I think leaders at this level miss is that they sometimes forget who their team is, right? And and I've come across this, I, I went through this myself, like I've come across this multiple times where if you're a VP, then your team is all the other VPs. It's not the people that work for you. You have to take care of them. You have a responsibility, but you have a fiduciary responsibility or maybe like an overall responsibility for the well-being of all the other VPs. And that's the crew because the work is getting done at that level. And it's very, very important to stay in touch or stay connected or to support this group Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be able to get all the data points all the time but that group can actually have your back as you shared theirs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and of course, those are great pools of talent that you can learn from as well. Yes. Back over to, yeah. If instead of yeah. you feeling like, hey, we're fighting over turf, yes. you know, to your point, no, you're part of my team. And in fact, we can help one another is a really different perspective to take. Yes. All right. What other lessons? I think one of the other things that might just be is like earlier on, it can feel like if a door closes or you don't get a job or you don't get the promotion or that when a, I would just be a closed door, a missed opportunity is not forever. And I mean, I think the earlier on you are, it feels super binary. Like I didn't get that. And now I never will. It's never over unless you're dead. (laughs) Like the number of times that I have thought like, you know, and again, I have thought, oh, you know, I did or didn't early in my career. uh, I interviewed for the job job four times before I got it. So I, I think this aspect of sort of, look, if it is the right thing, you keep going forward. And lots of times it's been, it may not be that, but it's something else. And I think if you get super anchored on, you know, like it's this, it's like, it's this or nothing you really limit your own sort of opportunity and sort of the sense of the way things, the way things will go. And, you know, I think the earlier folks are on the more, you know, binary, sometimes it feels if you can have an attitude that sort of looks at it as it's not so black and white, I think it becomes much easier to recognize other like offshoots of of different and discrete opportunities. You know, and it's sort of reflective of a sense that like an opportunity has to like, the package has to look like this for it to be the thing. And I would be so much of my, so much of my career has not looked exactly like what I thought the original package I was after, you know, look like, but it has been an amazing journey that I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. And to that, you know, like I also say people should do things that are natural, right? Don't mm. do unnatural things. I mean, you can take a risk, but like if you have zero idea about how to go work in like rocket science, right? Like just don't do that. Right? I'm just taking a very extreme example, but this comes up all the time, right? Because you may aspire for a role 
that is maybe like a couple of, let's call it notches of experience ahead of you, totally fine, right? But if you're going to go completely do something separate, right, that's kind of restarting. So you can't expect to go get this thing that is two notches ahead of you and in a different field without restarting, right? Without taking a couple of steps back. And even though everybody says, you know, the skills are transferable, but the experience isn't. You do need to put the time in. Yeah. Yes. And even in a, something that's like tech, so my career would look like a pretty straight uh, progression through tech. Yep. But I would be, the number of times I have taken jobs that were paying less, right? Because I wanted to go somewhere else. I've taken downgrades in title along the way, and it has not done anything but continue to build. And I think that goes back to just, you know, is this the right fit for me? Is this something that I think I can do amazing at? Great. Like doors will continue to open. And so I think and in some cases, the reason I did that was because, oh, how do I go from, you know, a reseller into consulting? How do I go from consulting into a vendor? Like there's pieces of certainly like there's applicable skills, but yeah, you may not start at exactly the same level, whether that's title, whether that's salary, whatever kind of mix that looks like for you. You're right. What is like the right thing to you? And then the different distance from like a thing that's just like what you're talking about too, Asher, the sense of like Mm self-awareness. Like you've got to know, like, have I put in the work to be able to like, you know, do that job? There's jobs, frankly, that I've got offered along the way, by the way, be like, they're offering me that job. I would be terrible at that job. Right. And so I'd be like, you know, you know, I just because someone will give you a job doesn't mean it's the right job for you. And, you know, things can look tempting some. And I just, I think figuring out and making sure you're sticking to that true line is really important. Yeah. And ask your peers, by the way, you know, if you've built great relationships around, mm-hmm. your peers will actually tell, I mean, like other people noticing you, again, we're all going to assume that everybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be doing great things, right? And then your peers will also guide you, right? And so it's really important to have that peer support because, again, all of us want to do amazing things, right? So like, sometimes mm. like, I mean, if you're fairly, then you're doing a lot of risk taking, right? So how do you know, right? And I always say like, check in with your peers, because if you've built great relationships or good relationships, they'll just tell you. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. And not only, I think that would be, you know, like what are the pieces? It might be like, like yes. I mean, find your peeps. I mean, I think there is that sense of, yes, who are your peers? And we all need to in a in a work environment, and particularly as a leader, one of the things that is challenging is, you know, as folks are too earlier on of like walking the balance between, of course, having a relationship with your employees and wanting that to be great. But there are things that you in a leadership role are not going to be able to talk to them about in the same way that you could potentially with a peer. And so not, you know, being able to go off and be like, wow, can you believe that just happened? We all need to sort of, you know, sometimes have, where are your kind of safe places and to go back and and having folks who may have been in that same, you know, when I think about sort of my peers who are sitting around the table when we're with, you know, my boss or, you know, and along the way will be, those are other folks be like, how did you think I handled that? Right. Or like, you know, walk out of there and who are are the folks that you could, you know, now we're all on our virtual tables. (laughs) You can, you know, hop on a video call afterwards right now in the midst of COVID still and, and say, you know, hey, Ashley, you were in there. I really tried to land that point. I feel like it didn't go that well, yes. right? Yes. What do you think? And someone that you can be comfortable enough to be like, I don't think I did that that well. Yes. And actually, in the virtual world, side chats are your lifelines, <laughs> you know? Because mm. you can always have a side chat on the side mm. and be like, is this landing? Is this not landing? You can get real-time feedback. And dual screens, I think, are an executive's best friend, you know, just to be a little bit like tactical about this, but those are ways that you can actually use to like get real-time feedback. It doesn't have to wait till the meeting's over. Yeah, no, that's very true. 
So, all right, let's move to people that have been, let's say, first-time VPs or second-time VPs, and they're trying to unlock themselves to become a senior leader, right? Mm. And and I'm sure you've coached lots of people like that, right? And you went through this journey yourself, right? And so, so what is the advice that you have for people to navigate this thing? And I'll I'll tell you what I was told, which we were talking a little bit about in the pre-interview is, is I was told it's all about relationships. It is guaranteed. It's the foundation, right? But there are other things. So I would love to get your perspective. Yeah, look, I think I talked a little bit earlier about one of the things is, you know, if you've got gaps, you can, you know, you can make up for a lot of gaps with hard work. But I would also be, I think some of it is, please, please make sure you've got like domain expertise. You know, I think please, please, right, really dig in and sort of understand the drivers. I mean, I think look to be really, really good at your gig. I think the number of times, you know, you know, you sort of mentoring and it's like, people have got like a million things of here's like, here's all the places I see myself. You know, I'm going to be running the world in five years. You'd be like, what's your five, five year plan. I'm going to be like the whole universe is going to be reporting to me, right. you know, kind of thing. And it's not that infrequent that the conversation is sort of similar to that. And everyone's different. I see that like, you got to be really grounded in, I clean up my side of the street first, right? Before I start going after. And I think that is a, a, you know, a piece of folks will sort of see like that the path forward is to go after what other, you know, where they see areas that other people have to work on or other things that aren't going as well. Like, oh, I could, you know, take over that and do that better. And I just, I think, you know, caution folks to be like, look at your side of the street, feel really great, you know, feel really great about it. Like dial in what you do really well. And then you're in an awesome position to be like, I can, let me take on that. Or, and also like, how can I help? You know, there's probably nothing more unwelcome than when your stuff isn't going that well. And I'm like, Hey, Asher, it feels like those podcasts, I think you could really do a better job on that. You know, can I join you as a co-host? Right. I see myself, I, you know, my next step is your co-host. 100%. It's like, Hey, that one podcast I did with Carolee, wasn't, you know, I think, and so I think you really got to, you know, have a level of self-awareness and be like, no, 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 I'm really like, I've got my core job down. Right. Yep. I think that's what I think. And so like, yes. And then, so like relationships will help you. And if you don't have like real meat under there, what's the point? I'm so glad you said that because you have to do your best work in the role you're in Yes. before you can do the next best work in a different role. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so that is key, absolutely. Understanding, having domain expertise, building a feel and building the, let's call it the muscle memory to take on the challenges in that role so that then you can graduate to the next thing and then actually take on the other challenges. Because once you're a VP, like for those of you who haven't experienced this, it's it's almost like you have a target on your back, right? And, and you're going to get hit on by a lot of different things. And you also have to be very clear of saying no. And, and if you don't know it, just say no and go back to focusing on your domain expertise because what happens frequently is VPs will say stuff that they don't have anything, any knowledge about. And then the people that they're saying the, it to actually have lots of knowledge about and then you lose credibility, right? I'd almost be laughed at for not knowing it versus saying something and not being able to recover from that. Oh, I guess, you know, yeah. I mean, to, to be Captain Obvious here, but I, yes. if you don't know, say you don't know. Which sounds simple, but again, I think also to, you know, back over to like, what are some, you know, not in earlier leadership mistakes I would see not infrequently. That's one. 
you know, a willingness to not sort of admit that you don't know to it's an inability to kind of listen. We talked earlier, like people who disagree with you, you know, sort of be more focused on sort of protecting sort of your new perceived role or what you, you know, like what you think you need to do in terms of showing up as a leader and it'd be like yep. great leaders hire people who are smarter than them and then they listen to them. You know? So I'm just, you know, like you look and what you will bring is something different to the party. And that, that might be, you know, a good, like other piece to, you know, close that out on just from my perspective is, you know, I bring it back down to diversity, frankly, in all its forms. So one of the things that is challenging for folks sometimes as leaders, it's a lot easier for me to understand quickly and to talk in shorthand to people who are like me. And that, by the way, that could reflect on all kinds of different, you know, all the flavors of sort of yep. socioeconomic background, race, sexual orientation, like you name it, like the whole breadth of sort of what's out there. There are ways that we can rely on shorthand and things that are easier perhaps for us. And that is perhaps the biggest Achilles heel that you can have as a leader is not to recognize and understand the value of folks who will come from a different perspective and are out of, so you may need to work a little earlier on how do you like kind of in the way calibrate your relationships. How do you make like, but when you can get there, the accretive value of that experience that you don't have that different lens on the world, that is what is going to propel you forward as a leader. Cause you're going to be able to really curate from the best, the best of thinking and not you know, again, back over to like, I've learned more from people who disagree with me than people who agreed with me. Like you're way likelier to get that with po- people of all kinds of different backgrounds and bringing that to the table. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm so glad you said that because looking at other people's perspectives that are not like you, period, should be a skill that you enable and not for yourself, but yes. everybody around you, right? Yeah. Because you, you have to work on that. Any other big piece of advice as we look to close this out? No, I mean, I think I'd say that, that would, to me is what I would close with, Ash. You got to curate the best and the best is likelier to be stuff that's different than you because you've already got your, <laughs> you've already got what you've got, right? So I'd be like, go looking for something else. It takes a little bit more time and it can take a little bit more time to nurture a team in that way, but it has, you know, yeah. outsized benefits for you overall. Perfect. All right. Well, let's move to wrap the podcast up. One is, is there a book, a blog, a newsletter, a website, or a video that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, actually, maybe it's just thinking of what we were just talking about. I probably, one of my like top picks in the last year has been How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. You know, it, it relates to that, but it was back over to just being a lifelong learner, et cetera, is that was yep. a really useful book for me and just thinking about some of sort of both institutional racism and, and, and some of the pieces about sort of, it's not enough to not be doing something yep. like, like to, so to actively, you know, dismantle some of the things that are going on. And again, I, I would just bring that back. It's not like even, even if you didn't believe that to be the right thing to do, I assure you from a career perspective, if you are able to get in a place that you can work effectively with diverse sets of people, you are going to do better, faster, longer. hundred percent. It's you just have to make the move. Perfect. We always ask people if they have recommendations of other people that they would think we should invite to the show. So do you have three folks who are either in B2B tech or either in go-to-market or data science that we should invite to the show? Well, I, it's funny, just thinking about who we've been talking about from you know an audience perspective and in line with our conversation, like two folks come to mind that are, are examples of, hey, I, I knew them before they were VPs. 
I saw the talent then and they've only gone so much further now and have been through this, this journey. So there's Sue Shim, who's over at SAP that, you know, and again, I was at SAP many, many years ago, yeah. but was a great example of sort of like an obvious early talent. And then, you know, another one that comes to mind is sort of Amy McCreeth, who's a VP of marketing over at Databricks and lots of sort of, there you've got like sort of some of that mix that I've got of sort of big company background, Asher, and sort of, and you know, like yeah. is, you know, startup background yeah. and yeah. some great women too. Totally. And Sue actually came onto my show and said, Hey, I'm on this show because I want to learn how you're doing your podcast. I'm like, why don't you just become a co-host of mine? You know, it was, it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know so she's already been though. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she was she was on it. Then she's like, Well, you should come up to my podcast. I'm like, sure. They're like, like there's like this podcast host like swapping <laughs> or not. It was funny. I guess before I close, I'll go back to memory lane and talk about one thing that you helped me with, which I actually this is the first time I heard that concept. And in one of the conversations that we were in, you had said, Hey, you have to learn how to disagree and commit. Mm. And it's okay. And it'll be okay. And I remember clearly at that point in time, I was just like very, I would say, younger, hungrier, and extremely anxious person. And that was, it was the first time actually I'd heard that concept, right? And then, then I researched that. And then I realized, yeah, you actually have to figure out how to like get over this and then commit and then get to that point. So thank you for sharing that with me way back in the day, because that was definitely something that helped solidify who I am today. Oh, no, well, thank you, Asher. That's a that's just another example of too what I've done. I've I've shamelessly stolen along the way from others. So that obviously is not a carefully originated concept, but I think that that's a great example of what I really appreciate about what you're doing too, Asher. It's like how do you share what yeah. you've learned and how do you find folks who can help and share? And I think that's what it's all about. So thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you so much for what you're doing for folks who are listening to the show in terms of helping them develop. Thank you. All right. The very last question is: I know you're an extremely busy person. But if people wanted to connect with you after this podcast, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. Hit me up on LinkedIn. You can find me at Carolee Gearhart or you can also find me on Twitter at, at Carolee Gearhart. Either way. Perfect. Well, Carolee, thank you so much for coming on this show. This was a blast. Great to see you and congrats on all the success and best of luck on your journey. Yeah, fantastic to see you too, Asher. Thanks again for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 